Sequel Quest, Episode 30, a sequel to the Fly franchise. Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. Take a journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities with your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. What am I working on? Uh, I'm working on something that will uh, change the world uh, and uh, human life as we know it. The Sequel Quest Podcast. That's right. You have found us and you have arrived to the most exciting podcast online. The most exciting podcast in your ears. The most exciting podcast of this moment, in fact. Here we are. And the, the, the whole crew is here for an exciting event tonight. So let's just go around the horn and meet the, uh, I'm Adam, but let's meet the, the three J's. In studio, I'm Jeremy. Out in the, the wilds of San Diego. Uh, and currently gone from our, <laughs> our Skype session. <laughs> what, oh what have, no. What have we done to offend him? Uh, introduce yourself, other J. Oh, hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Justin. And, uh, yes, Jeff and will Jeff, be with us momentarily. Voice of Jeff. I think the, I think a, a monster, a mutant hybrid of some sort may have attacked him. And, uh, we'll, we'll pray it. for his, uh, for his safe return. Um, he vomited on his arm, <laughs> and his arm disintegrated. Maybe he vomited on his microphone. Maybe that's Probably, what, uh, yeah. disintegrated it. Uh, hey, I'm Jeff. And here we are. We are going to get into something a little different for us. We in, at Sequel Quest generally, I mean, as you've noticed, we focus on, you know, kind of classic films from the 80s. Maybe we go into the world of superheroes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll explore a little bit of sci-fi. The one genre we have not visited yet, haven't stepped into the, the creeks and the, the croaks. I don't know. Are, are croaks a part of horror movies? I feel like they should be. Your people it's are croaking. They're dying. Creek. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but we're getting into kind of a, the horror genre while still keeping one toe in the sci-fi world. We are going to be conceiving a sequel to The Fly. Now, The Fly has an interesting history. We're, we're specifically going to be talking about the David Cronenberg 1986 film and the follow-up, The Fly 2, from 1989. So this would be the third part of that trilogy. I, I'll just ask here, has anybody else on the crew seen the other Fly films, the original uh, from the 50s? I did watch the first 10 minutes. Of the first film? Of the first film, and yeah. so you saw nothing. Vincent Price, <laughs> doing it right, classic. Yeah, it's and yeah, anything with Vincent Price for back in the day is is going to be so enjoyable. But here's the thing: so the 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 first film, you know, is like it's a it's a full color, you know, fifties kind of. It's it, you want to say it's a monster movie, but it really isn't. Uh, for the most of its running time, it's uh, it's basically like a, a tragic romance film. You know, it's about a scientist that essentially gets himself in some hot water with his uh, his genetics testing, right? And, uh, and well, 
I think the first one is actually the same premise, isn't it? The what I was reading that it's it's about the a trans a teleportation device. Well, it is. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's the 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 premise of of the fly in and of itself is that there's a scientist, you know, that creates a tele a teleportation device that can transport matter. Then he starts trying to transport living tissue and uh, ends up experimenting on himself, which during the process gets fused with a, a fly that then takes, you know, in the original, the fly kind of just swaps body parts with him. So the scientist gets a fly head and a fly hand, and then the fly, in return, gets a tiny human head and a tiny human hand arm. That's amazing. I wish I would have finished it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Justin said he watched the first ten minutes. For the first hour, you get nothing. You get one teased little, little fly claw, but he keeps his head under a cloth for the entire film, and he's communicating through through uh, knocks on on the table to you know two for yes one for no or whatever you know I was like so he goes through that whole scenario and it's, he writes notes to his wife he does a typewriter to his wife who's trying to help him resolve uh, you know his uh, his predicament spoiler alert he cannot you're you're so, not selling me on this movie Adam <laughs> well that's the thing is the original fly if you watch it you're like literally the last ten minutes is when you see the fly and then he gets crushed in a in a press yeah. <laughs> it, and he commits suicide, you know, basically, is have, or has his wife murder him, and then she is accused of murder, and that's, it's really more of a, a, a mystery film as well, the blanket. Because, Justin, then you could say, because from what I've heard, is that that's actually how the movie begins, yes. where you find the guy yes. with a head crushed, and the wife is getting arrested, and then yeah. everything is done in a flashback. So that's pretty cool right there. Yeah, yeah. It, and it is a well-done film. I mean, it's, it's professionally made. Um... The same cannot be said for the, the sequel, <laughs> which came out just one year later. The original film was 1958. In 1959, they did Return of the Fly, which is our intro music today. It was a, a misfit song inspired by that film. And uh, Return of the Fly basically just says, okay, now it's the son of the fly has grown up. He wants to justify his father's work, so he's continuing the research. It gets real convoluted with like this corporate spy that gets in there and a bunch of people get put into the pod and mixed you know one guy gets swapped with a with a guinea pig and like oh god he gets a guinea pig hands and the guinea pig gets human hands <laughs> which is ridiculous and the difference is in in the original fly film oh, the comedy. yeah the fly is like it's like a basically a human-sized head a little bit bigger than a human-sized head but with fly features whereas in this one it's a gigantic like disneyland character head of a fly that he gets when when the sun finally gets transformed and it has a happy ending where eventually they are able to reverse the process and he's back with his girl and everybody's happy but and, and you know all he does is when he turns into fly he goes on a revenge mission and he kills a bunch of people and that's what so it's is more of just a straight-ahead monster film. Then I'll just just to wrap up the original trilogy. There is a third film that I didn't even know about until researching for this show. It was what? called Curse of the Fly. Oh no! And guess what? There's no fly in this film. There, there is what? nobody gets turned into a fly. <laughs> it, it is completely, literally. Uh, now it is the 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 son and the grandson conducting oh, experiments and and they basically are teleporting people back and forth and there is uh the, basically people just get mutated like they look like they got burned 
They they don't oh, look God. like they they got you know mixed with animals or anything, and they keep them like it's his ex wife. You know, he keeps her in a in a chamber and like all these other, these people that got mutated. It's it's just really a kind of horrific that way, I guess. Uh, but it's really strange. And then, but the only but thing, it has a happy ending. Yeah, a happy ending, <laughs> as, as happy as can be. But like, what's very interesting about that is that the sequel to the David Cronenberg Fly, which we'll get into in just a second, actually takes a bit from Curse of the Curse of the Fly. Yeah, which I was not expecting. Which is the the grandson now has a rapid aging issue, and he has to take inject himself with this serum so he doesn't turn into an old man every day. <laughs> And so he's like constantly fighting that. But uh, let's get into the real film, though. And Justin, I'm curious to know, The Fly from 1986, starring Jeff Goldblum, what is your experience with this film? It was horrifying. It was absolutely (laughs) horrifying. When I finished the film, I was shaking a little bit because I didn't want a giant... uh, Seth Fly, what's his name? Brundlefly. Grunt Brundle Brundle. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Brundlefly. Yes. Brundlefly, yeah. Brundlefly to vomit on my arm. <laughs> yeah. It was. So this like, is just recently so you saw this. This is first time for you, Justin, for the show. Seen this uh, no, I feel like I've seen it before, way back when. I don't really. It's more horrific to you now as an adult than possibly uh, as a younger. No, I mean, person. I don't. Like I said, I don't really remember it from back then. But just like <laughs> it, they re, like he went. David Cronenberg went for it with the with the image of the fly. Like every time Jeff Goldblum comes back on screen, he's just more and more grotesque. And then when he finally turns into the fly, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> now, j- just I so you thought, know, I thought the way that was going to go is he was just going to break apart. Yeah. Because that's what it looked like. Yeah. Well, essentially, that's what happens at a certain point. He, his skin just splits open and the fly comes out from mm-hmm. underneath. Right. But I thought he was just going to, like, dissolve. I thought the, like, the oh, kid okay. talked about was eventually, like, okay, so he's just going to turn into mush. Yeah. Now, we, we need to describe this film a little happen, bit. But... Yeah. Jeremy has not seen this movie. So he, it's he is, Jeremy, he's... It's... it's not on my bucket list. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the mood of the movie, I will say, is a, is a feature of it. Mm-hmm. It's just very, the whole movie is just ominous. It really is. It's well, I should, I, I should point out, too, is that, like, this was a box office smash. This is oh, the yeah. biggest success of Cronenberg's entire career. Yeah. Uh, right now, it has a 92% fresh rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it won an, I, a, the Academy Award for makeup, like, this is a, a well, well, critically acclaimed film. Yeah. And with good I, reason. I not yeah. like it. Exactly. It not fun. Me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I, I disagree with that it's not fun. Because Jeff Goldblum, throughout this entire film, his energy is, is amazing. And he has a sense of humor as his body is decaying and he's coming apart. You know, like, it, and part of it is madness. Like, his brain is, is disintegrating as well. But, like, he literally, he seems to just kind of make jokes about it. Gina Davis is horrified this whole time. Which are creepy. The creepiest jokes yeah. you've ever heard in your life. Exactly. Yeah. But he's having a great time with it. Yeah. He comes to accept it. But, Jeff, what, what about you? What, what, is, what was your introduction to this, uh, this film? Uh, I remember seeing it like years ago and it's, it's one of these movies that like every time it's on, I cringe. Like I don't want to watch it again. And like, I can't say that I hate it. I can't say that I love it. Like 
it's funny. It's actually a combination of the two of those is what what hurts me so much about this movie is that you're right. I love Jeff Goldblum in it, which is what makes it so heartbreaking. Like I, I can literally only watch like the first third of this movie and then I love it. But like, it's just so painful. It's almost like for me, the creepiness of what's happening. And like, we talked about body horror before. And like, for me, that's not it. It's the tragedy. It's the fact that like, this like hopeful scientist and this blooming love story. And they even said, like I was reading some of the like deleted scenes. Cause I guess this has become famous for its deleted scenes. Um, is that some of the deleted scenes sh- had uh, Gina Davis and the scientist guy with the melted arm uh, ending up together in an epilogue. And the screeners oh. said, no, like they have such chemistry between Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum that the audience wanted them to end up together. And that's right. why it's so tragic that, you know, he has, he begs Gina Davis to kill him at the end. Like, it's just yeah. like, oh, even seeing images of it, it just like it. Yeah, it's just saddens me. I, I yeah, it's tough. For yeah, me. well, but I, I think that that is why it's such a great achievement. Like it really does. It endears you to the characters. Very small cast of this film. It's literally yeah, yeah. it's like four people. Yeah, Gina Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum, and the the gentleman John Getz who played Stathis, who is Gina Davis's character's old boyfriend, current boss, who is you know kind of jealous of Jeff Goldblum uh, coming onto the scene. Um, but I just I find I find this film so compelling. Don't forget the prostitute. And, well, she's not a prostitute. She's just a, a just drunk a at a bar. She's yeah. yeah well, <laughs> but, she's but she a whore. behaves like a prostitute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, but that's like this is one of those films that for me, like as a kid, just like with so many, like walking the aisles of a video store when you saw this this VHS cover art or the poster art, just the ominous green light coming out yeah. of the telepod. Like you just you had to know more. Like it told you nothing, and then you're just like, "What? What am I gonna see here?" Yeah. And uh, and I I literally had my friends. This is a something I revealed in our uh, our mashup episode, which uh, hopefully you've uh, you've listened to. Uh, but I, I I would get my friends to describe horror movies to me. Like my parents did not <laughs> let me watch horror movies, but my other friends, you know, when I'm seven years old, they're watching everything. You know, like and I'd be like, "Oh, what happens?" Like, "Oh yeah, this guy," and then he like he t- he melts away, and then he's a fly underneath and he spits on and he's like telling me like all the details. I was like, this sounds great. I'm too scared to watch it, but I want to know more. <laughs> and then, you know, later on as an adult, I checked it out and I was just like, this is fantastic. And, uh, and, um, is it sad that I am now exactly the way you were when you were seven? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've you've got you've flip flopped here. You've regressed. Probably well, had, no, had a stronger you've stomach. Always been that way, Justin. <laughs> oh no, I hate it. I've, I've I've never been able to watch a scary movie. I, the Jeff told the story last time uh, after we ended recording of going to see Event Horizon, and I watched it through my hands. <laughs> oh, it seems and, like it would have been scarier just to hear everything, but it was. Well, but then at the end, you you get some prodigy just hit you right over the the end credits. (laughs) (laughs) But for this one, like this one, I was able to watch, I think, because the um, makeup, I'm sure, for the time Mm -hmm. was uh, revolutionary. But it's it's dated at this point. And so nothing really was terrifying about it. It was just everything was just very grotesque. It was Mm -hmm. that that body. Uh, horror. You got fingernails um, coming off. You got you really got ears and teeth falling out. Me. Yeah, definitely. 
So uh, now the other the other thing about this, I just two quick fun facts about this film that I think are of interest. Uh, number one is that this film was produced by Mel Brooks. Brooks what? film, yeah. Well, it, Brooks films. Technically, he's yeah. not the producer, but right, but, he, but it's yeah. his company. It's his production company. Exactly. Yeah. So so you can. <laughs> The, uh, the, uh, the man behind Blazing Saddles, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, giving you a little, little body uh, horror. Men in Tights, mind you. Oh, yes, Men in Tights, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> also a hilarious film. <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> Kevin Costner giving us the humor. Kevin Costner's accent. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, But the other thing, too, is that uh, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis did work again two years later in 1988 on a film called Earth Girls Are Easy. Have you guys oh, ever seen wow. this film? Do you remember this? It I pla- totally forgot later. about that. Yeah. Wow. Is that strange? They have this huge, huge blockbuster film, and then they go and do this really weird uh, 80s like comedy film about mul- furry, multicolored aliens coming down and learning about Earth life from Gina Davis. And like it's really strange. And it was Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, and Jeff Goldblum. As red, yellow, and blue aliens, and then they get they shave their bodies and essentially be, become human looking. But it, it is the strangest movie. You should look <laughs> it up, or at least the trailer on uh, on YouTube, because it's. But the, I, I, anyway, I, that's one of those strange uh, situations where you're just like, okay, from the fly to that, so so be it. Um, yeah. But uh, last thing, I'll just state real quick, just you know, for the purposes of the continuity of these films. The the Fly Two has anybody seen that? No. Nope. Nineteen eighty nine. I'm I'm familiar with the story, but I didn't actually watch it. No. no. Yeah. I read the IMDb synopsis. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the thing I'll just mention about that is uh, again nineteen eighty nine. It's it is a continuation of this continuity. So it's literally Jeff Goldblum's son, who during during the course of the first film, there's a a dream sequence where Gina Davis gives birth to this really gross writhing larva and uh, it's disgusting. And then uh, in this film, what it shows, it actually opens with the birth of the, the, the real baby. Cause at the end of the film, it's, you know, or during the course of the film, we find out she's pregnant in the fly. And so it, in the second film, they show the birth. Gina Davis is not back. It's a lookalike. <laughs> and uh, and, and it, it's this gross, you know, again, kind of larva-looking thing. But inside is a human child. And mm-hmm. that child is taken by Bartok Industries, which is the one who was uh, is, uh, funding Jeff Goldblum, Seth Brundle's uh, research. And so what they do is they raise the child in their laboratories, basically. And, and the child has a growth disorder. Well, this is what I was saying where they took it from the curse of the fly. He has a growth disorder where he ages rapidly and he's like super intelligent. So through the course of like the first half hour of the film, he goes you know, from a, a, you know, a newborn to like a 10-year-old and then g- turns into an 18-year-old uh, who is uh, played by uh, a gentleman who... Uh, started uh, in a film called Mask in the 80s, which is also not a horror film, but scared the crap out of me as a kid. Do you guys remember that at all? Mask? Mm-mm. Did you ever hear about that? It was Cher, right? Yeah, it was Cher. It's about this Cher's kid mom. who was uh, terribly deformed. Uh, anyway, so that was very scary. But he's also the uh, the original Marty McFly. Almost Marty oh, McFly. Yes. Who, but who, he was yeah. just too Who was boring. recast. Yeah, he just did not quite work. So uh, had no chemistry. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh. So that they, that Word. did not work. So he he is in this film, and uh, 
So anyway, but it, it's it, oh, I should mention too the the last Mel Brooks connection. The love interest in this film is uh, is played by Daphne Zuniga. Anybody know what she's famous nice. for? Nice. Spaceballs, <laughs> Princess uh, Vespa from Spaceballs. Place, but oh yeah, yes. also Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> For you, well, I was going to throw out two of my fun facts too that I know is that one, and I think it's actually the Fly Two. They had well one because it wasn't Cronenberg. Cronenberg didn't sign on. Mm-hmm. Neither did yeah. Goldblum, and neither did uh, um, uh, Gina Davis. Even though they were interested, but then they read the script and they didn't like it, especially because Gina Davis was going to die in the first five minutes. Um, but so the new director, they accused him of, like you said, Justin, actually Cronenberg got a lot of credit for emphasizing mood over gore. And the feeling was in the second one that the opposite was true. He emphasized gore over mood and over everything else. I'm sure. Exactly. And so consequently they had to fight to not get it rated X because it was originally wow. going to be, they had to cut out several gory scenes to get it down just below the X rating. Wow. Uh, and then the other one, apparently that it's, you know, there's a huge big following, cult following, I guess, for, well, Cronenberg in general, but for The Fly. Yeah. And so at its 2005 re-release, they found some deleted scenes. And I guess it's one of the most famous deleted scenes in cinema that it's called the monkey cat scene, <laughs> where I guess uh, oh, no. Jeff Goldblum, try, he's trying to experiment with fusing, like, his plan at the end. So he fuses his the one surviving monkey with a cat, and Ooh. instead it turns into this mutant hybrid that he has to beat to death with a shoe. <laughs> oh. Apparently they cut that because they, and then and then apparently because he goes ridiculous? out into well no it was because it made him seem too horrific and because uh. he was like beating an animal to death and they wanted him to be sympathetic because yeah. then apparently after that then he goes out into the street and finds a homeless lady, vomits on her and liquefies her and then eats her. And so they cut that out too because they're like, that's just too. <laughs> horrific, so. Wow! Uh, wow. Apparently, it's a famous. You serve? can you can find if you do a search for monkey cat scene, you can find the whole scene online. Is there old lady vomit swallow scene? Uh, I think it's the same scene actually. I, oh, I'm not gonna it, watch oh, it. Oh yeah, I'll be doing that before I go to bed okay. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> then you won't be going to bed, sir. No, I won't be going to bed. Tonight. <laughs> All right. So a couple other things like big trivia for the fly two. I was just reading through the trivia on IMDb. The first two, Vincent D'Onofrio was nearly cast as Martin Brundle, the kid, oh. but his screen test didn't go well. Hmm. The other one was... Thanks, his lucky stars. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Oh, oh wow. yes. Oh, he would have been great. <laughs> Instead, we got Eric Stoltz, but so Eric be it. Stoltz. Poor Eric. Yeah. He's- can't get a break. Can't Maybe this was break. his break. Yeah, I think this was his, his chance. But uh, and also, if you're if you're a dog lover, the, do not see the flight. Oh. It is very oh, very sad. That, if that, you're an animal lover, don't see these movies at all. Of them. Yeah, movies, monkey yeah. cat apparently also. Yeah, ASPCA. You like monkeys, cats, upset. flies, humans, <laughs> yeah. babies. Yes. If you like women. Life. <laughs> the hu- humanity or living creatures. Yes. Humanity. Yeah. Uh, but now, so now that's the question, right? So where do we take this? What 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 is the next step for the Fly franchise? And the evolution? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, Ooh, you're see. welcome. <laughs> so Jeff, do you want to start us off tonight and show us what you got? 
Sure, yeah. Um, now, just uh, as a real quick aside, now, are we still doing, do we want to do, like, the, the hook at the end, or are we just yeah, trying yeah, to do yeah. it? Yeah, do, do your quick pitch and give us your... Do a quick pitch and uh, try yeah. and do the, will he do this, or will he do that? <laughs> yeah, you got okay. it. Sell us on I'll it. I'll throw that in. Okay, so mine is just simply going to be called Fly, and uh, it takes place 30 years after the original, which is right about now. I'm going to disregard the existence of the sequel, uh, yeah, me too. so this is going to take place... Um, focused around Martin Seth Quaith, who is a fireman, and he lives in a Chicago suburb fighting fires, doing all that sort of stuff like that. And one day as he's fighting a fire, he ends up, like, performing this, like, supernatural sort of, like, feat where he, like, leaps over the fire. That's something that, like, a human wouldn't be able to do. Uh, He just kind of dismisses it, but then the next fire that he's fighting... He's trying to save this little girl, and he ends up, like, scaling this wall. And he's really suspicious about, you know, a human shouldn't be able to do this. So he calls his mom, whose mom is Veronica Quaith, and then uh, played by Gina Davis. Uh, She reveals to him who his father really is, which is Seth from the original movie, and that's why his middle name is Seth. Um, And then he learns about his dad's uh, experiment and that they've actually been continuing on with the experimentation, uh, trying to perfect it. uh, but the challenge becomes that because he's realized that these abilities make him, you know, a better firefighter, he doesn't want to be cured from this. So his his mom and the scientists are kind of saying, like, no, you're going to turn into a fly just like your dad did. And he's kind of saying, no, 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 no. Like, again, look at all that I can do for for humanity as I am. So, you know, will he decide to do this? Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know. Great cliffhanger. Quite the Jeff. sales pitch Thank there, you. Jeff. I'm not, I'm, I'm not accustomed. By the way, I just love the idea of Gina Davis being an old, naggy mom. She's like, you got to turn into a fly just like you your father. Turn into a fly, son. <laughs> why, is, why is she always from New York? Because are always New York grandmas. That's right. Everybody with attitude only comes from New York. It's all, it's all yeah, we know. Uh, all right. Uh, anybody want to volunteer to go next, or can I jump in? Me, 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 me. Oh, Justin's got it. Do it. All right, so uh, mine's called The Flies. <laughs> uh, nice. So uh, I didn't really do the hook thing because I didn't know we were doing it, but I'll make it happen. Seth Brundle's son, also named Seth, grew up knowing nothing about his dad. His mom held his father's life in secret, but did tell him that his dad was an accomplished scientist that lost his life in a lab explosion. Seth Jr., taking after his father, works for Bartok Industries, now run by David Abbott, who is second in charge after Bartok's death. Uh, Seth, though, is determined to find out what uh, happened to his dad and finds Tawny, a woman that his dad had an affair with. She reveals (laughs) what his father had been working on, at least what she remembers of it, and that she also had a baby, but knew not to get involved with Seth Sr., again, since she found out Seth was just using her. Unfortunately, Tawny has no idea how to find her son since he ran away from home. Seth senses the fear that Tawny has about her son in the way that she talks about him. Will Seth find his brother? Will Tawny have another affair with another person? (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned and find out. Uh, On the flies. The flies. flies. (laughs) I just love it. It just sounds like a great sitcom. I'm really looking forward to it. It does. (laughs) On the California. Tune in on the flies. Exactly. The hills. The flies. The flies. riches. So, so, but, Justin, uh, repeat for me real quick. I just want to make sure I, I, I don't know if I followed it completely in terms of, so he's gone. 
he, he's they're looking that that's like the mystery is like where did he go where did or, where did Tawny's son go? Tawny's son go, and and you're not giving us any hint as to what that would be. So that's like it's a real no. Mystery. That's the hook. We got to get next the full thing. <laughs> okay, I was just like, all right. Well, I, that's that that's the mystery. We want to unlock it. <laughs> okay. Well, here I am. Uh, I do have an actual short pitch, so we'll do my best. All right. <laughs> so mine is called the Fly Three Swarm. So. An ambitious young physicist named Kate Parsons is struggling to find funding for her groundbreaking research in matter teleportation. Using the investigative skills of her journalist friend and longtime secret admirer David, the pair locate the previously unknown second sight laboratory of Dr. Seth Brundle, the ill-fated scientist from the first film. His research of prototype telepods give Kate the leverage she needs to make her dream a reality. Determined to succeed where Brundle failed, Kate gets a grant from his former employer, Bartok Industries, in a last-ditch effort to save their struggling company. Unknown to Kate, her research is being funded by the military, handed by General Zimmerman, who, after a successful test of matter transportation to starving people in Africa, immediately takes hold of the telepods to send weapons of war to Afghanistan. Kate resists when she is asked to release her work in teleporting living tissue so that wounded soldiers can be returned to the USA for treatment. But she is kicked off the project and her research applied hastily for human transport. This results in four wounded soldiers being fused with stowaway mosquitoes, flies, and ants, which give them enhanced physical powers and special insect-like skills. Zimmerman begins training them as a special task force called Swarm. Meanwhile, Kate... Yeah... Kate yes. and Dave, David are working to covertly disable the pods before hybrids are created in mass through the transport of armies. Soon, Zimmerman discovers that his group of soldiers has begun to mutate further, and longing to be normal, they beg for help. The general falsely claims to have the means to reverse the process if they fulfill one last mission. Kill Kate Parsons. Will swarm, the Swarm team exterminate Kate? Or will our hero find a way to keep this dangerous technology from creating an army of insane insectoids? Get the answers you seek in the Fly 3 Swarm. Insectoids. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yes. That was great. So, here awesome. we are. Oh, now we gotta vote. Now we gotta vote. I vote Jeff's, man. That that was a pretty cool opening. That whole concept of just discovering it, I did. I yeah, did like that. I think idea. that like out of the three of ours, I think Jeff's is the one that might actually get made. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like Adams would get made. I would just be a little nervous that it wouldn't turn into like a like another Space Truckers or something like that. <laughs> that would be my oh, fear. Space Truckers. <laughs> if you haven't found that one online, folks, seek it. Oh, seek yeah, it now. George space, Went. Watch it. George it's went. Square Pigs. Oh. Okay. But back to our show. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do we have here? So, all right. So, Justin, why don't you vote first, then? I, I voted for Jeff. Okay. I think I'm going to have to vote for Jeff, too. Jeff, you're so, vote, voting for me? Does it matter? Like, yeah, <laughs> no. Je- Jeremy, Jeremy gets to vote. Oh, oh Jeremy, Jeremy gets to vote, so it could be a tie. Well, then, again, my fear, my space trucker fears would lead me to vote for Justin. I was oh. leaning toward Jeff also, so all three right. to one. Three to one. Jeff it was going to... Yeah, and it was tough, too, because Justin, you know, both Justin and I disregarded the entire sequel idea and oh, went yeah, with the sun. So I had a 
natural predisposition towards that. Yeah, my, mine was essentially a soft reboot anyway, so... Right, yeah. right. Well, it's interesting, because yours, like, it, it, it had such a different feel. Because, again, like, yes. best-case scenario, it starts to feel more like a good Transformers movie, where it's a lot more action-packed <laughs> and everything. Yeah. It's not as much about the horror and the, like, tragedy. Exactly. Which, for me, is fine, because, like, again, I can only watch this once a decade, so <laughs> I could watch your movie plenty of times. I, yeah, I just uh, felt by like the way, for Adam, today's audience. mine yeah. slowly devolves into yours. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, does it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's called The Flies. Come on. I know. There's, There's like, hundreds more. of them. Yeah. And I will say that my my original premise was actually that probably something similar to that, Justin, where I was going to actually have it be that these these telepods had actually been uh, replaced uh, basically public transportation in, in a city and it was like Chicago and that like people were using them and then like basically the whole city turned to fly people and, oh, and insect people and then they had to come in and figure out what they were going to do you know the physicists had to reverse the process in mass or whatever but yeah so but cool all right so Jeff's premise we have a man who basically doesn't know he has superpowers he's a public servant he's already a hero now what will he do with these powers so that so the idea again where we know that he's he's had his true identity kept from him and now he's mm-hmm. he's going to discover it so so jeff fill us in on the rest yeah. of your pitch yeah so uh for me it kind of started off i was actually picturing the intro to kind of like not feel like the fly almost like feel like um like backdraft or like (laughs) one of those like it's just like you know a small town fireman type film uh that kind of takes a shift once he starts developing this these sort of powers uh or not not powers but abilities i guess and the the key i was thinking and i couldn't quite make it work in my brain but if we're going to call it fly would be the idea that that would be somehow achievable he could somehow fly but it's like then you start really going into the whole superhero thing. So maybe that's not, maybe that's too far uh, or maybe that's the last straw. I don't know. But so anyway, so like I said, the, the whole thing with he's fighting the fires, the thing's starting to develop and then he calls up his mom and his mom uh, kind of reveals it and everything like that. Um, so when he meets with the scientist that's still like perfecting uh, the Brun- Brundle's technology, um, he uh, realizes that, you know, that's, he sees that same sort of a thing. Um, but he doesn't think that he's going to fully devolve into the fly. He thinks that he can control it, that he'll just basically be that first third of the movie that I love so much. (laughs) And, um, uh, that's where like, if he developed wings, I don't know, that feels too far. Um, but eventually then it would kind of, you would have that conflict where he doesn't think it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. But then I would still see like, it would probably need to devolve anyway where um, that uh, he realizes at some point that he's wrong, that he can't control this, like whether it's, it's, you know, his abilities are getting out of control, whether he is actually starting to like lose his fingernails and jaw muscles and whatever else he would lose in the original. Uh, Or if it's just like his brain, like, like was like, maybe that could just be his brain um, like it did in the first one. Um, but then I did like, and it was, it was the way that the second movie ended that I, 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 I wanted to see, which the second movie ends where they realize the only way is kind of what Jeff Goldblum was working on. The first one was that they needed to merge like a healthy, clean 
gene with his, and that way he'd be able to strain it out. So in the first one, he uses the bad guy to strain it out, which turns the bad guy into a horrible mutant that has to live in pain forever. Um, so my thought was, instead of that, he realizes that that's the case. The only way he can survive is by you know using a healthy gene to strain out the, 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 the bad genes in him, um, but it's going to cost the other person their life. So basically someone would have to sacrifice themselves for him. And so the first one, his wife volunteers, which then they get into this whole thing and like, no, I can't let you do this for me, blah, 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 blah. And then I would see the end being where Gina Davis steps up and the mm-hmm. mom, she volunteers because she said, I couldn't like I, I, I wasn't there for your dad and I want to be there for you. And so she sacrifices herself to as kind of that culmination. And then she's with yeah. Seth Could- forever or whatever. Could we have it so that maybe the wife has somewhat talked him into allowing her to be the sacrifice, and then at the last moment the mother steps in, yeah, and saves the too. wife. Exactly. Yeah. Now the the one the one area I feel like there's a, a lot of room for development with this is in like you're saying he's involved with the scientist who's working with his father's technology. And, and, and what I see, aside from, like, the whole straining out, and if we're, if we're going to do a happy ending, then, then that's fine. But, um, you know, The Fly, generally, you know, they've been tragic films. Um, right. but, but what, the Except way, for the sequels. Except for the, the second sequels, one. Well, yeah. The sequels all end happy. That's true. But, but like, my thought was, what about, what about the concept of he, you know, he has the power, he sees the good he's doing, but he starts getting obsessed with it to the point of where, like, he never sleeps anymore and he's just doing shifts you know like like just constantly saving people non-stop and so he's not home ever but he's just like he's so amped up on it so his marriage is falling apart so there's kind of part of the tragedy of it and okay. and then so like that but that but then what's happening is that he just like you know uh jeff goldblum kind of has his moment where he starts going crazy and he's you're, you're just jealous you don't belong in the plasma pool you know like whatever he says or and uh but but so he's but he starts wanting more and so he's working with the scientists to be like more let's enhance this let's and so the scientist is all about it because he needs this body to study this body to work with so the scientist is kind of you know corrupt in that way so he's willing to feed this guy's kind of need for more and more and and that like is like that's what is causing him to mutate more and more and maybe he can grow the wings and everything else and he's just like he's so ready for it you know and that's that's why it's getting crazy he probably ends up hurting his wife also at some point you know what i'm saying like he has to become a monster in, in some way and that's like the the real conflict of the film He's trying to do okay. good. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to create a lot more uh, stakes. In, yeah, uh, yeah in I like that. And having him make that decision of, like, I need to sacrifice someone. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And then, yeah, at that point, it's kind of like, would, would they be willing to, based on how terrible he's been treating them, essentially? Because he's probably yeah, going to alienate everybody. Be willing to... Yeah. Well, what if, what if, yeah, well, what could, could there be, I don't know, because then it is there enough of a turn or something like that where it's this idea of like, what if that the, the end that sacrifice, it's not, it's not like he needs a sacrifice for the wrong reasons. Like he needs this to, to, to finally get this one, or maybe he's going to fully meld with another creature or I think sacrificing like his wife or something like that. 
and then it's it's this so it's that he the can switch. keep his power. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's and like just, so it's but not, still be human. Well, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking maybe the opposite, where it's like it's a diabolical sacrifice, and then yeah. when Gina Davis comes in, that switches it, and then that like resets him back to zero, and then he realizes what a fool he's been. And yeah, I think that's whatever. great. And mm. what it could be, what it could be is that he needs. I I, I think what it should be is the experiments are going on, like. You know, he has the fly genes, whatever, from his, his father, but then he's starting to get the guy to splice in different insects or different animals or whatever to give him different, you know, enhancements. And, no, but he boy. finds one, one, that is, one that is really, uh, re- his body is rejecting it, so he wants to pass that on to a clean body. So basically, you know, strain out the, the, the genetics that he doesn't want to be part of his code and has to give it to somebody else and he decides to do it to his wife. You know, that that's like his evil turn. You know, he's like, I'm going to, you know, give her this thing that I don't want. You know, but maybe because he finds out it would work with her genetic code, her body wouldn't reject it as much as his is, you know, and whatever. And yeah, you'll be my bride and we'll be equal and whatever, you know, we'll both be, you know, in this type of thing. I don't know, something along those lines. Yeah, that could work too. Yeah. Now I'm I'm trying to f- picture what what age range are we looking here for the guy? Um, I think he's got to probably be like mid thirties, something like that. Yeah, or maybe early thirties, because again, for like a young virile firefighter, mm-hmm. I would kind of see him as yeah, like even maybe even late twenties to to early mid thirties. Well, and she was pregnant at the end of the first one, correct? Right. And we're going about thirty years, so I mean, mm-hmm. thirty is. Yeah, Early 30, 30s. 33, 34, yeah. you know. So why hasn't he noticed this before now? Is it something mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to imagine he's going in to save someone and he gets cornered or trapped? Yeah, and it's, 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 it's the X-Men It's the exertion, thing. the adrenaline yeah. thing. But he's never had that in his entire life until this well, point. Or maybe it's maybe it's a moment of like... I don't know. He, he knows he's like going he's, to die, so he exactly. gives it his yeah. all kind he's of thing. Certain he's going to die, and he's never, he's never, and that could even be a line where he even says, "Like I've never encountered." I've know, never the, seen the, the face of, of death. death. There yeah. you go. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I think that's cool. Yeah, that's that's definitely so. That's like that. And yeah, maybe that is. It's like the only time he's ever had fear. He's ever experienced fear. And so it's just true fear. Time. Yeah, true fear, like life-threatening fear. Yeah. So that's good. Now, um, I'm just trying to think. Okay, so let's let's talk like director here. Yeah. I've I've got one that's just been sitting on my mind the whole time. Oh yeah. Because this probably wouldn't be a big budget movie. Mm-hmm. This would be probably mid to low budget sure you could get this done it really feels like something that josh trank could make his comeback on hmm. okay oh. now has why why are we giving josh trank anything <laughs> has he done something to deserve it well he sh- his films have shown some promise and we hold on i'm looking who up that is <laughs> i think it was guy. well now hold on chronicle was decent <laughs> that was a good superhero oh, movie that cool. he that okay. he wrote he blew it on and directed. Okay. No, the studio blew it on yeah, Fantastic Four. Oh, I yeah. think he had a role in it. Well, but anyway, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's probably, he, he definitely, and, you know, 
maybe he wouldn't do this one in his tradition, you know, what, what has come to be his style, which is the found footage style. Well, almost. he didn't do much found footage in Fantastic Four. No, I don't think so, quite, not quite as much, yeah. But he okay. did have the body horror element. That was him. Mm-hmm. That was not the studio. Yeah. So he could give us a transformation, even a slow transformation, into this horrific monster using probably realistic and legit props and prosthetics. So to do the, do the, the, the old school style and bring it back, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think in my mind, is there like another established director that has brought us something similar you know, well, the, recently. the one that's been thrown around for which, by the way, yeah, the idea of another fly movie uh, has been thrown. I mean, Mel Brooks has been pushing for another fly movie. He's talked to Cronenberg. There is actually a The Fly, the Opera, I should point out. Um, but that's <laughs> oh, a separate note. But the one name that has kept coming up is Guillermo del Toro. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. He'd be great. But it seems yeah. Like he would go too far to me. Yeah. No, he's perfect in every way. <laughs> <laughs> the fly turns into a giant robot. Starts no, battling everybody. Like no, no, I know. I know his other work. Hellboy or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think I, I honestly, I love, I love Guillermo del Toro's stuff. He, he, he does very interesting, especially like if you look at like his early, his early stuff too. And because it's like it is slightly lower budget, but it's so atmospheric and it's it's got yeah. the, the creepy element to it. But when you look at this film, the way we're kind of setting it up, like I'm wondering, does it do you feel like it is? Is it a more intimate film like like, you know, the first one? Like or, the first one, yeah, totally. Do, does it feel that way, the way we're describing it, probably, that it's not going to be as action-packed, even though we're having him rescue people as a firefighter? Like, it's more like after-the-fact stuff. We're just dealing with those quiet moments and the, the introspection and the personal relationships that he's damaging. Like, it's more about that than it is the action set pieces. Right, right. and it's yeah, I mean, like... there are going to be a couple of action sequences, sure. but mm-hmm. other than that, that's going to well, be it. It's the funny thing because you as the audience and it, it, it would have that ability to kind of like tug at the audience because the action sequences are supposed to be negative where it's like seeing him right. do all these things uh, is supposed yeah. to like, whoa, that's so awesome. You're supposed to be like, oh, like, no, that that's not good that you're doing that or, you know, whatever. Yeah, we know what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. OK, OK. So I just want to make sure because, yeah, because if we're doing that's something. Good point, yeah. Yeah, along those lines. So, okay. So, are we Del Toro or Trank? Do we give a a guy another chance, or do we do I'm we go, go with, with the winner? Well, of course, you guys will go with the big name. He <laughs> right. He, he tends uh, to overdevelop his exactly. stories before he creates them. Yeah, and my main concern with him is that he doesn't. He's great with atmosphere and creature design and all those types of things, but Guillermo del Toro's characters. I don't know yeah. if, if he if he has that he, like the humanity is so often not there for his right. human characters. You know what I'm saying? Like he almost gives his monsters more thought than he does. Yeah, Pacific Rim. I mean, I mean, Hellboy was okay, so. but even well, but then, that was because like, Ron Perlman is Ron Perlman. That's Let's true. be honest. Pan's <laughs> Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, but that was in a foreign language, so who knows? Who, who can even tell? <laughs> uh, well, then make it La Fly. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> La Mosca. When, when I when I uh, rented this on iTunes to watch it, it was La Mosca. I don't know why they were showing the Spanish poster for the film, <laughs> and, and I, I was worried. I was like, "Am I going to be watching this with a Spanish dub?" <laughs> but, Subtitles. Uh, yeah, I, I want to. I do want to know what Spanish Jeff Goldblum sounds like, though. Because oh. I'd be very curious to know who they have to, to work for him. But, uh, the only other um, name that I was I was thinking of was like I didn't know if somebody like is it David Fincher who did the Social Network or something like that. Like, um, oh. I I know it's like it's kind of, it seems kind of out there, but like the, his films tend to be very much more. I mean they get intense, but then they are very much about the relationships, and I feel like. You know, maybe the creature design and all of that is is not as important in this film. You know, and the well, if you're wanting characters, should we throw James Gunn in there too? Nah, but that, I mean, all we know from him is is comedy, though, and I don't think we exactly. want comedy. Exactly, he kind of has this. a wink to everything he does. It feels. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't. We don't that he could be holding you know that somewhere. The opening to Guardians of Gal- the Galaxy is very that's... heartfelt and kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's um, not his first film, though. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, uh, I I don't know. Like, I guess like from from what we're most familiar with with his work, I don't know if he is the uh, would would he would did feel do right. He did do Scooby Doo, so <laughs> which is well, actually pretty good. That the... first one. I the like screenplay it. for Scooby Doo, at least. Yeah, but, but you know, like, but just what go back. Quentin Tarantino. But just think, <laughs> David Fincher did Fight Club and Seven. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like he did, he did those type. He does, you know. Yeah. I think he did the American I, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I um, can't imagine that he would be into it. Though. You don't think it would be his yeah, thing? Yeah, okay. that's his speed. Well, is he still? No, he doesn't do that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I think. What about I, the guy that directed? Uh, I don't know. Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> the which one? Ten Cloverfield oh, Lane. Okay. I have. I heard great things about it. I have not seen it. But. But from I, the trailer, I, mean, I know he's fairly new to the game. He's got, but like that movie, I, from what I understand, is very much all about the characters and the relationships, and has that creepy horror-ish sci-fi element to it, which pretty much sounds like what we're talking about. Yeah, like, I, I almost feel like going with that that unknown who has, you know, maybe one film or that, that is very well received might, might be a safe bet to go with. So Dan yeah. Trachtenberg? Yeah, Trachtenberg. Yeah, that, yeah so I, I think I, I like that idea. And just, again, just because of the buzz that's around his work, it feels like it'd be a good fit. Yeah, so. it's in the same vein, I think, but like stretches a little bit because that movie was so dark, and this one will be it'll it'll be a firefighter. It'll be like there will be some daylight in it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about? I mean, we're we're there with the director. So, what about casting now? Uh, what who are we Adam talking about? Driver. Adam no. Driver. <laughs> you, you He's believe? the next Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> what? Based on one movie? Based on his looks and his kind of speech pattern, and they're basically the same person. <laughs> oh, no, no. He looks like a, a mutated Zach Braff to me. That's what, whenever <laughs> I look at him, I'm like, he, he just looks strange. I don't know. Mutated. Uh, well... I like I I well except like, for firefighter. Remember, fire. He's not necessarily supposed necessarily supposed to be Jeff Goldblumy because he's supposed to be this like hero firefighter. Can he do hero firefighter? 
Um, sure. I mean, I, he I, was a Marine. So I, I, that's true. I don't feel I don't feel like he's he would be a terrible choice, but I don't. At the same time, like I'm, I'm trying to imagine like more. I was thinking of somebody along the lines like having just seen Suicide Squad. But I'm thinking of like Jared Leto as somebody who could, who could have well, that de- you know that de- that de- devolving character. And he, you know, he's a, he's you know he buffed up as the Joker. I mean, he could show us he could have like a physique you could believe was uh, was somewhat you know capable of saving people but put him on an apple crate you don't have to worry about it you know like <laughs> shoot him you know shoot him the tom angles. cruise treatment exactly right what I about like, uh, a guy who already played a firefighter uh kevin james Kev- <laughs> <laughs> kevin james he was a firefighter yeah what on king the king of queens he was a delivery guy where was he a firefighter and uh, what's his face get married? Like Chuck, Chuck and Larry. <laughs> I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Kevin James auditioned for the Fly Three. That movie has come up multiple <laughs> times today in random conversations. Yeah, it's it's in the zeitgeist. We we, we were feeling yeah. the Kevin James vibe. Yeah, great suggestion, Justin. I'm gonna have to. Uh... <laughs> no, exactly. What about uh, what about what's his name? Dom Dom Hall Gleason. The guy that was uh, 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 Bill Weasley in Harry Potter, and yeah, yeah, the guy from Ex Machina, uh, and also um, like the the Nazi oh, leader of the Empire in he's the leader in yeah, yeah, Force yeah, Awakens, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Force Awakens. Yeah. Oh, that guy! Wait, yeah. he, he he was one of the twin brothers? Is that was no, that no the older the, one, the one with the ponytail, uh, yeah. with with the scarred face? I think. Oh, I haven't watched enough Harry Potter. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. But, yeah, because right. I saw him. We saw Ex Machina or Machina, and and he was great. And then also, what's that weird one with the head? Uh, with um, what's that movie called? Frank. Did you guys see that where where he wears the fake head? Oh, uh, with Fastbender. Yeah, Fastbender. He's he's the main character in that in Frank. Oh, okay. Fastbender is not the main character in Frank with the paper no, mache head. No. Interesting. No. Okay. So I, I I think that guy is pretty cool from what I hear from you guys. Donald so, Gleason, yeah, we can go with it. Yeah, if done. He, he he sells you on being a, a firefighter type that could become a, a strange mutant. Well, he's a redhead, yep. you know. I mean, redheads can uh, do, you know. Right. Fire hair. We are kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from experience, Jeremy. Okay. What now? What about his wife? Because we know Gina Davis coming back as the mom. But um, but when we're Obviously. thinking about the woman who can essentially have to uh, deal with the madness and and make us really feel sorry for her. I mean, she's going to be our hero in this to a certain extent. Um, right. So you want somebody strong that probably is going to stand up to him throughout the course of the film, but then also show that she's being hurt by Brie Larson. Decisions. Brie Larson. The new Captain hot. Marvel. Sure. For everything. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's amazing. Um, what about the girl? Uh, what was the... Oh, God. What was that transgender movie? <laughs> no, like I believe that movies. was Jared Leto. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, it, like, no. got an Academy Award. The one with... Um, what's his name? Uh, yeah. The, the yeah, Swedish... The the Swedish... The Swedish, the Danish girl. Danish girl, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she was also an ex-Machina. Oh, oh, Alicia, yeah, Vikander. Yeah. She can do just about anything, yeah. Yep. She's very versatile, okay. 
So maybe we could have both of them play her just like halfway through the switch mouth. I was thinking about her, although I was trying to, yeah, get away from just movies that they've been in together. But um, this could be their full circle together again. They had some pretty bomb chemistry in that movie. That's true. She was the robot. Mostly naked robot. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other one that I would always throw out is Amelia Clark. Although to be perfectly honest, outside of Game of Thrones, she hasn't really blown me away with her you know, movie like acting. Terminator Genesis. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, Terminator God, Genesis. And we, and we already cast her as Supergirl in our uh, in, in our oh, Supergirl episode. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so, you okay. guys did. Yeah, well, um, I don't know if she'll come back to work for us. I'm sure it was a stressful <laughs> experience dealing with our been. studio. <laughs> might have been. She's like, uh, I love. Girl, you guys, we I have, <laughs> yeah, we have commented how it seems like Felicity Jones is in absolutely everything these days. Oh, yeah. I don't know that she would be my choice, but everyone, she's everyone else's choice. So. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna, yeah, she's gonna make Star Wars something special, that's for sure. Yeah. But um, um, I don't know, like between between the t- the, the two that you were uh, that you were sharing with us. I mean, we have one who played a machine, but did she? In her other role, was she very likable and, and relatable? Like, I guess that's how yes, I tried she to was understand. the thing that carried the movie, as far as most people were concerned. Okay, right. Despite the and fact even, that Eddie Redmayne is amazing, like, right. And even she, as a robot, she was incredible and yeah. you know emotional and everything like that. That okay. was the point of the movie. Ah, I see. Okay, uh, what was her name again? Alicia Vikander. Vikander. And I think he pronounced it perfectly. Did I? With a, <laughs> <laughs> a little so, more phlegm. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So we got we got a we got our, our main characters, and what I'm trying to think of now is the scientist, the the, the semi Jeff evil. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say let's just bring <laughs> him back wow. as a random scientist. Don't even notice. Be, be extremely No, he'd distracted. come up in like video clips, or well, they would just have like a like a a, a video journal. I would think. Probably or they could recreate him like Terminator in the Terminator. Just digitally de-age him through a couple different clips that they watch in the lab yeah. somewhere. Well, I, w- I would love for it to be somebody because again, I feel like this Patrick is actually Stewart. this is kind of like the devil on his shoulder that is encouraging him to keep doing more to keep doing. So more. is that the scientist or the, the scientist. military guys? Well, there's or, no military guys. Okay, in, in, there's uh, no military Jeff, guys. Right, that, that was, was mine. One. But um, I mean, that could be a secret that reveal. But um, <laughs> but no, but but yes, yeah, so the man I'm, behind the man. <laughs> exactly. So I'm I'm trying to imagine uh, somebody who, and that's what I'm saying. I feel like it could be an older actor. Like, I was gonna so, say, what about the dad from Game of Thrones? <laughs> I you, always want to put him in stuff. Wait, you mean Sean Bean? No, the the evil dad, Lannister. Oh, oh dad. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, oh. <laughs> Mr. Lannister. Yeah, what's his name? Of the he's Lannisters. Very, he's very British. Um, Tywin. UK Lannister. It is Charles Dance. Hmm. That is a great last name. I feel like I've heard that Ooh. name. Yeah. You know, who, who do you got? See, yeah. but he's so much older, though. I don't know if I was picturing him being that much Yeah, older. he'd be like the dad figure, like the grandpa oh, figure. Oh, yeah, see, devil look, man. there's an angle that right works. there, Jeff. Yeah, so that's why, because he, he needs a father okay. figure. And he never he's had. like 70 years old. Yeah. So, no, it's I, very, yeah. So, so is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> but, like, 
But like, yeah, so there's that. Or, you know, my my first impulse, I don't know why, but it's mostly just because I feel like he could do anything, is Stanley <laughs> Tucci. I really love Stanley well, Tucci. Of course. I, I think he oh, but is I want to love Stanley Tucci in everything. <laughs> but that, that's I why it would be like, that. it would be a great, like, because you know, he doesn't necessarily play evil most of the time. But, but I feel uh, like dude, he could. You got to watch Boardwalk Empire. Oh, yeah. He's oh, a bad he? dude. <laughs> yeah, Which, dude. by the way, as a side note about Stanley Tucci, if you guys get a chance to watch uh, uh, Colbert oh, no, on The Late Show doing uh, his Stanley Tucci impression, oh, <laughs> it's so wonderful. He keeps you... his from, from Stanley Tucci from, uh, from uh, um, Hunger Games. <laughs> oh, the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Caesar Flickman, and he like raided the the Democratic National Convention as Caesar Flickman. <laughs> yeah, he raided both conventions like he that did. and got kicked off the stage, carried <laughs> out by security. Oh wow, wonderful, so, amazing. But yeah, so but so, anyway, but obviously that's a little. You know, he's probably like what twenty twenty years younger than than this yeah. Charles Dance character we're talking about. Doctor Dance is what we'll call him. Doctor Dance. Well, Dr. It's, it's, it would be a, for me i feel like it would be a different portrayal where stanley tucci would be like more of an advisor whereas mm-hmm. charles dance would be more like so like why don't we cast overboard? both of them in what way Two oh scientists? just this yeah and maybe one is like conflicted and leaves or gets killed like you could have stanley tucci well, as kind of the one that's on that's the on the guy. fence yeah okay about helping out Charles Dance is the one that's the the scientist, and he's the the evil scientist, and the other one's just been helping him out throughout this time, and they found that the kid has the DNA, and they're trying to work it out. Right apart for Stanley Tucci. Put it in there. It's going to help your movie no matter what. Absolutely. So maybe while they're... Stanley Tucci is the wife. Slap a wig on him. Maybe they're partners. <laughs> he can no, do anything. I, I think that's great, though. No, I, I, that, that's a good dynamic to have because, again, we need there needs to be a body. There needs to be somebody who gets killed in the course of this to show where he goes over the line. I feel and, like, and too. this that's would be, be Doctor Dance, and, and it's tragic. No, because it's I would say Tucci. that's Stanley Tucci. Yeah, exactly. Because Aww. Stanley Tucci yeah. would be more of the father figure for him, and he's connecting more with him. And one of the experiments that they're doing to add in or whatever mm-hmm. it it kills him yeah when he gets his scorpion tail and it just jabs <laughs> Sally Tucci through the heart of course just rips out his far. rips out his still beating heart <laughs> alright we'll, 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 we'll dial it back we'll dial it back well, yeah. but no so yeah but I think that's uh, I think that's a great dynamic I like I like that because I think that is probably something that was missing um but so so yeah, that that works. We could have him play an old German scientist again. Ah, oh, I love him in Captain America. <laughs> He's great. He's great. Uh, so you want to kill Nazis? <laughs> no. I don't want to kill anybody. I'm just an all-American good guy. That's me, Steve Rogers. Okay. All right. Well, we've got actors. We've got a director, mm-hmm. and we've got a story. Yeah. You know, we don't need uh, we don't need pop music to popular soundtrack. No. Although we could get Bono from U two to to be the fly again, <laughs> and he can uh, he could give us a, a single to play on the radio. But it'd be very depressing and sad. I think is what and he would political. have to give us. Yeah, and, and political, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what what cause is he supporting these days. Anybody? Keep it up with Bono. All of them. 
uh, help, helping to, to get funding to, to take care of all the Spider-Men that were critically injured <laughs> for Turn Off the Dark. Uh, I don't know. Probably. Everybody's forgotten about that already, haven't they? Spider-Man Turn What's Off that? the Dark. <laughs> What's that? The greatest musical of our time, or not. <laughs> The one where they Did ran it, out a different it, Spider-Man every week. No, I'm pretty sure stage? it's gone. I, yeah, I it's don't gone. think it got a road a road company production either. <laughs> Nobody would license it yeah, for too insurance. <laughs> so many fatalities. Maybe we maybe we get some of those guys. You know, if there's any amputees or something, they could, they could be body doubles. No, die, no die. But what guy? No. I think he broke both arms. Yeah, like, it was dangerous, dangerous production all 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 through the uh, development. Wow. But, we're t- but we're not talking about spiders. We're talking about the flies, the meals for the spiders. Right. Yeah. But Can I we still... just title this episode Insects or <laughs> Insectoids, as you so purposefully put it? Is that not a real word? Did I make that up? Come on. Insectoids. I don't care. It's a great word. No. But um, now the, uh, the only part about this that I'm just wondering is, um, obviously, again, I don't think Jeff Goldblum should be a part of this, just because I think it's too distracting from the... The personal story we're trying to tell. This mm. isn't just a cash grab. This is like reaching back and saying, "Can we do something new with this concept that is in the same vein but gives it a, a flair?" So I, I think stepping away. We have Gina Davis, yes, but I feel like Jeff Goldblum is dead and he stays dead. You don't need to resurrect him. But could we? I wonder if there's a way to like do like a viral marketing thing with him coming back as the. The, the fly to help promote the movie. I like, I don't know why, but it's like everybody would want it. So it's like something on the Tonight Show, like Jimmy Fallon would have the two of Wait, them. Wait, so you want to be sued for false advertising? Like Suicide <laughs> yeah. Squad? Oh, come on. He's not saying he's in it. He's just helping to promote it because of his legacy. Well, then that. why don't we just you put him that. in it? Oh. I like, do the flashbacks thing. Maybe, okay. maybe it's him and Stanley Tucci that oh, are the, yeah. the young scientists kind of working on it at the end of his life kind of thing. Interesting. Yes, then okay. you'd have to de-age uh, Jeff, uh, Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum by like 30 years. Well, and Stanley <laughs> Tucci by 30 years. But I still, well, although you'd still have to do it. I mean, we could certainly do like, yeah, like a it, video. It wouldn't was, have to be high video. quality. <laughs> it could be grainy. It could be That's security true. footage <laughs> in the lab. Yeah. Well, they were making a video, right, when he was documenting his yeah. experiment in the first one, and they used a that in the fly too. A music video. Yeah. yeah. A music video. <laughs> With the fly girls from In Living Color, it was fantastic. Oh. <laughs> uh, so J Lo, she was in there. Okay, forget my suggestion then, because I don't want Jeff Goldblum in this film. He's yeah. too distracting and awesome, and people say, "Why isn't thinking? he in the whole film?" So. I don't know. I feel like if you like the, it would be like the Ghostbusters cameos in in the recent one that really didn't work out that well. But these would be part of the story. Yeah. Flashback, flashback. Uh, Can we just have him do voiceover? Maybe we don't we don't see him. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe uh, he's in the pod and some other monster comes out or something, and (laughs) that's where he dies. Yeah, I was trying to imagine like Stanley Tucci's connection to him because you know in the films he was basically working alone so we have to say like at what point did yeah. he have a partner or maybe yeah i didn't think he really had a partner he just had somebody who like obsessed over his not obsessed over it but like yeah. maybe he was a lab assistant early and... yeah okay he's the guy who delivered the baboon 
That's that's what he was. He was the animal wrangler. Yeah. Was the animal <laughs> or maybe I'm guessing he was because they did incorporate the whole thing with the the co- the comp- corporate sponsor. Mm-hmm. So maybe he was the one he was reporting to or something there. like that. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Or that could be even more so. Like that could be Charles Dance's role is that he was the the one that was getting like he was the the corporate bad guy the corporate scientist recast the liaison you don't have to de-age anybody you just have a younger version of charles dance if that's possible i don't know i don't know who fits that bill but that's unimportant oh we can yeah that's a brief cameo adam driver (laughs) yeah the new charles dance (laughs) new jeff goldblum new charles dance all in one he's versatile yeah all right well i dance Oh wait! Last thing here though is: Are we so we're we want to stick with Jeff's title of just fly because we never did develop that that it would actually occur, uh, you know? Um, that they, yeah, but it's not about flying. flying in the air; it's about flying in your soul. <laughs> or it could just be about fly, you know? Instead of the fly, it's just called fly. Mm, it doesn't yeah. have to be about flying. Yeah, I but I still like. I mean, Justin started it off by calling it fly evolution. That's kind of fun. Or fly Ooh. rebirth. Yeah, I don't know. I think fly is just fine. I think. Or superfly. <laughs> superfly is not bad. <laughs> Firefly. All of these are great. Although, but getting back to the soundtrack, I think all we do is we just get Sugar Ray to do a remix. And Dude, uh, just what eleven then, different ways. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe everyone should be. If they just get multiple of like the top artists of the day, and it's just like a big yeah, collaboration song, thing, or like an opera version, you know, <laughs> be great. It'd be fantastic. Get all the girls from uh, Pitch Perfect, and they do an acapella version acapella of Fly version. by or Pentatonix. Yeah, or Pentatonix. Yes, the legitimate big deal acapella groups. Get them yeah. all in on this. No, get get Rockapella from Carbon from San Diego. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just Rebel Wilson. Just Rebel Wilson. Multiple, multiple, uh, you know, recordings of her. We'll just splice it together. Speaking of splicing, I don't know where I was going with that, but there's a lot of gene splicing in this film. <laughs> well, that that is our show. Thank you for listening. It's always a pleasure to have you in. And uh, we, you know, we have so much more to come. So just keep an eye out for the for the next episodes. Uh, they're going to be on Twitter. They're going to be on Facebook. Find the Google Plus. You Google Plusers, you know we love you. And uh, so just keep it, make sure that you're staying connected so you can find the latest because you never know what film we're going to pop in next. It, it could be anything. It could be a film starring Kevin Costner, Olivia Newton John, any number of famous actors from years gone by or current, uh, current favorites. So with that, be afraid, be very afraid. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 